Hey besties, welcome to the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where our mission is to transform your life and help you become the most phenomenal woman you're meant to be. I'm Brianna, the founder of the Badass Book Besties, where we encourage a conversation around a love of books and learning so that you can make new friends and expand your thinking. I'm a lover of books, beers, traveling, and motivating women to live their dream life. Each week on this podcast, you'll be motivated and empowered to make positive changes in your life through intellectual conversations and interviews, how-to ideas, and insight from a variety of books. We celebrate the incredible and simple accomplishments women make every day. To be a badass woman means to be awesome, impressive, and worthy of admiration. So my goal is to help you see your true worth and build your self-confidence. If you're someone who wishes to be inspired by other women doing extraordinary things and want to be encouraged to live your most badass life, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, and welcome to the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where we inspire and encourage women to live their most badass lives. Today, I am so excited to interview Kate Shelton. She is an author I found on Instagram and started following because she has the best reels and bookish content. When I discovered she was writing a book, I knew I had to have a chat with her. So welcome, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. Kate lives in the beautiful state of Colorado and has been married to her college sweetheart for nearly 11 years, which is incredible. They have two daughters together and love living there, and I sure wish I could live there as well. She owns a digital marketing freelance business and works at Colorado State University in communications. She is also working on publishing her first book. It's been picked up by a publisher out of Portland and will come out early next year. So thank you for being here, Kate. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Yes. Yes. So I always love to start off with what makes you your most badass self? Gosh, I would say it took me a long time to step into feeling like a badass. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood growing up in a very conservative place where I didn't feel like I fit in and I didn't feel badass by any means. So Mm. it took me a long time to realize that I am an okay human and that just because I'm different doesn't mean that I'm not cool or badass. Um, I think when I really found um, a career that I felt like I fit in, and and for me that's communications and writing, um, I started to feel that I had some skills that I could offer the world. And then I think especially when I became a mom and um, realized that I could raise raise my kids differently and that I could, um, you know, rewrite some of those narratives that I had in my head, that that really made me feel like I am a badass. I can raise badass badasses and I can do cool things in the world. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I love that because so often when people are kind of raised in that not necessarily closed, you know, environment, they don't get exposed to certain things and then they get out into the their eyes open and they say, wow, there's other things out here. I need to explore more. And I think it's such a fascinating thing to then say, okay, well, now I want to instill something different in my own children, you know, and I live in Florida, so I'm in the, in the state of very conservative thinking. And so when you think outside the box, there's a lot of, oh, that's so different. (laughs) Yeah. And where I'm from, women weren't raised to be badasses or to think of themselves as badasses. They were really raised in a certain mindset. And, and I think, you know, to be fair, my parents probably did the best they knew how or, or what they thought was the best, but um, that wasn't modeled exactly for me. Um, my my mom is um, 
is a badass. I will, I'll totally give her credit for that, but just yeah. the larger community where I was raised um, and sort of like the church churches that we grew up in, women were sort of not raised that way. So it's nice to be away from that and, and around yeah. other women. I'm around a lot of women who are badasses. So yeah, yeah, you bring up such a great point of something that it reminds me of about how women are treated like the caretakers and that they take care of everything. And like, if a man, you know, of the house, the husband, you know, is taking care of the kids, they say, oh, you know, is he babysitting or is he watching them? Nope. He's with his kids. You know, there's this idea that women have to be the full caretaker. And, you know, I grew up in that lifestyle as well of you have to take care of everything. And you can even see it in our history of the magazines and commercials always had women doing everything. You know, it's the women on the cleaning commercials. It's the women taking care of the kids. And it's a surprise when a man does it. <laughs> yep. yep. No, we face, we have definitely faced that in our marriage. My husband is very involved and, um, and he has to be because I'm not, I would not be able to do all of these things and balance all of these things by myself. And so, yeah, I, it's definitely been learning for both of us, um, finding what works for us and splitting a lot of those traditional roles for sure. And I, I love the flipping of traditional roles because I feel like it's so important for both parents to have, you know, their own solid careers and lifestyle, but then that they share the, you know, the household chores or the taking care of the kids, all of that. Yeah. So when we talk about that, how do you kind of balance life and work? Because I've heard before that there isn't really a balance. It's more, you know, some days you're super on and some days you're super off, but how do you feel that you are able to balance both of those? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely it's not every day and every day is not perfect by any means. Um, for me, I think it's knowing what my priorities are. There are just some um, things that I'm unwilling to compromise on. For me, that's my children, that's my family, my house, um, you know, my marriage. And those come first. So luckily for me, I've always worked in fairly flexible hybrid situations. So I'm able to um, move things as I need to. I work with collaborative understanding people who give me that grace. Um, yeah. And it's a lot of late nights and early mornings too. Um, it's just, you know, not, from nine to five is not enough hours in the day for me to do everything. So I start very early and I end, uh, you know, fairly late or maybe not that late because I'm kind of a grandma, but, um, you know, I mean, I, I go all day and I don't stop. Um, and I think that's just the season of life that I'm in is that, you know, I think someday it'll slow down, but for now, like I have to know my priorities. I have to use my time well, and I have to just be on all day. And that's just part of it for me. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I feel like sometimes when you're such a go-getter and such a motivated, empowered, you're like, let's do this. You're willing to, to work it, but even more so when you love what you do, Yeah. you know, like, do you ever feel like you could literally work all day, every day, a hundred percent and not even get sleep? You're like, I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, for me, I need sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe I'm a person that needs sleep in order to function. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've chosen a career and I've chosen a passion, a passion project that is that for me is passion. I don't ever feel like I like run out of words or run out of ways to, you know, bring something interesting to my day job. Um, 
Yeah. So I don't feel like I run out of energy, but I definitely need sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I need what I call my rotting time. If you've followed me on Instagram, you know, that <laughs> I call from like eight to 9 PM. It's just like when I rot, I do nothing productive. I lay in yeah. bed, I usually have a brownie or something like that. And I look at TikTok often, or I read a book. Yes. I just like, sometimes I just lay there. Um, so sleep and rotting time are, are crucial for me. <laughs> Yeah, I love that so much because it's just kind of a time to decompress. So rotting is like a perfect description of it. Yep. Yep. You know, you could say like instead of the witching hour, it's the rotting time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm so positive, clearly, but yeah. and I, I don't know where I, I didn't come up with that term. So I think somebody on TikTok taught me that term, but yeah, I've adopted it for sure. Yes. And I and I love that you practice that self-care because sometimes, especially as moms, we're go, 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 and then we forget to along with taking care of the littles, you also have to take care of yourself. And that's why I love that you have that time, especially to spend time reading. I love taking that time out and saying, this is my time to read because I've, I've totally tried to read during the day while I'm hanging out with the kids and I read the same sentence over and over. And I'm like, I'll just wait till the end of the day to do the reading. For sure. Yeah. So you, you really sound like someone who's just like me that, you know, really has a lot going on. How do you stay inspired and motivated to keep going? Is it because you're so passionate about what you do? Or do you think there's some driving force behind that that keeps you so inspired, motivated, and and ready to get going? Yeah, I will say, you know, um, my hometown and and where I was raised is um, in agriculture. And there are no harder harder working people than people who work in agriculture. And, And my family, we were, you know, not wealthy by any means, but we were, my parents were extremely hard workers and, um, you know, worked from sunup to sundown every single day. And I think I, you know, that was instilled in me and my work looks different. I don't work outside. I don't necessarily work directly with animals, um, but just being a hard worker, it's a choice. There are a lot of days where I don't necessarily want to do any of it or all of it. Um, but, you know, I watch my parents get up and, and my grandparents as well get up and, and work every single day. And, and that's just what we do. That's what our family is, has always done. That's what my community of origin does. And so, yeah, I think um, I don't I think success for most people is not necessarily luck as much as it is just pure diligence. Um, mm. And I'm really hard-headed. I just don't give up <laughs> on anything, um, which is like not always great. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I am passionate. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I think there's a level of passion there, but I think more than that, it's just a level of diligence. Yeah. So would you say that you grew up on a farm in that agricultural aspect? Yeah. I, yeah. I grew up on what's called a feedlot, a little different than a farm. It's where cattle are um, fed after they've come off the ranches. So my parents own a cattle ranch and a cattle feedlot. And and that's how I grew up. I grew up working there, working alongside my family. And my parents still do that to this day. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you grow your own vegetables and all of that too? No, we weren't in food as much as uh, beef, but um, yeah. certainly farming community all around us. So crops, um, corn, wheat, watermelon, mm-hmm. cantaloupe, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so cool because um, I was recently talking with my sister and she said that she read an article about how people who grow up on farms or in the farm life actually live longer. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was because of the food or, you know, being outdoors. I don't know. I just thought that was so intriguing. And I said, well, we've got to move on a farm. And she said, well, 
you have to start there. Yeah. <laughs> well, crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's, you know, just not sitting down all day. My dad literally doesn't still that. 60 some years old still doesn't sit I mean he physically works hard all day I think that keeps you going for sure yeah so when you talk about your family you mentioned like how they inspire you to really work hard would you say they are some of the most influential people in your life and if so how specifically have they impacted you yeah I mean of course families of all kinds impact if you are of your family, good or bad. Um, I definitely that hard work, um, but also reading. I my mom is a big reader. My grandmother is a big reader. Um, words were just you know common in my household. We didn't wa- we didn't watch a lot of television. My mom either either we were outside or we were reading. So certainly I think that had a big impact on me. Um, and sort of that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my parents worked for themselves. My grandfather worked for himself on both sides. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that spirit of like, I can do this and I will do it, um, came from my family for sure. We definitely have different tastes in reading, I would say. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but my book is on the darker side. So I think my family is a little shocked by that, but (laughs) here we are. Especially when you talked about the upbringing that, you know, maybe there'll be a lot of, you know, that, you know, quintessential thing. And I love that you grew up with a family of readers because that's when people ask the question of how do you encourage someone to read? And it's surround them with readers, let them see you reading and let them know the beauty and joy of it, read to them every day. So what are your favorite types of books to read? My favorite types of books to read for myself are definitely murder mysteries, uh, thrillers, yeah. suspense, um, I dabble in horror. I also like historical fiction. Um, mm. I'm in a book club though, so I read kind of whatever the book picks. So that also expands my horizon. However, yeah. those are not the kinds of books I read to my children. Yeah. <laughs> Just You're like, all right, there. kids, let's get ready for the horror book tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, my kids are into um, obviously kids books, but um, Pete the Cat, um, dog books, the underdog series, all of those kind of things. Yeah, I love that. And so it's amazing when you have children, the awesome books that you can find, like the picture books and the stories. And it's just so beautiful. Like sometimes I really want to take the page out of the book and just put it up on the wall because it's just such a beautiful story. And, you know, when my kids get old enough to not need picture books, I'll I'll still want to keep the books because they're just so amazing. I'm like, I'll just keep them on the shelf for you if you ever want to go back and read them. (laughs) Definitely. Those books are amazing. I am not a children's author by any means, but they're amazing. Yeah. Oh, and just the, so much you can learn from them. And, you know, when it comes to banning of the books and you think, oh my goodness, there's so many fantastic stories out there. Like, please don't, you know, please don't ban the books. But then at the same time, when you ban them, that means they're worth reading. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd love to talk about your book. So we're talking all about what you like to read. So is it related, even though I know the answer, is it related to what you have written about? Yeah, so my book is a thriller mystery. Um, It is a book about an author who somebody, uh, my book is about a mystery author and somebody starts copying her plot lines in real life. Somebody starts copying the murders and she is um, left to figure out who is doing it uh, before she's arrested herself because, you know, the cops obviously suspect her. So yeah, yeah it's uh, definitely a thriller. Um, there's some big twists in there and the killer ends up being much closer than she expects. 
Ah, so intriguing. So mm -hmm. how did you come up with the story? Did you just collect all of them in your head along the way? Or was this a story that's just always been in there and you knew it? Did it, you know, how did it come yeah. to total fruition? That's a great question. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by stories within a story. There's lots of books out mm -hmm. there um, that sort of follow that same um you know, setup or that same plot. Um, I've always liked those. I think sort of that dual plot line is really cool. Oh, yes. Right? So I wanted to sort of find a way to do that in a mystery-esque. Um, and the rest of it kind of just came to me. Um, it took many drafts to get where I am today. Like I won't say it, it happened magically. It sort of happened through a lot of hard work. Um, but yeah, I really liked the story in the story. So um, in this book, you see the author and her life and her trying to solve this murder mystery, but you also see her writing. Um, and it was really fun to sort of write two separate things within um, her writing style and my writing style. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. Um, and yeah, it just kind of came together. The ending was actually a sort of a surprise to me, some things that I wasn't really foreseeing, but the characters oh. just did what they did. And um, so yeah, it was really fun. And it's been fun to sort of see it evolve um, from where it started to where it's at today. It's so cool to hear you say, well, you know, it ended differently because that's what the characters did. And yeah. it's like, but you're the characters. And it's, it's so neat because they are people. Yeah, they're, you know, they're living beings in your mind. And that's why we get so attached when we're reading because we see these characters. And I love when people reach out to the author and say, can you please let me know what happened to this character? I just need to know that they did this yeah. or did that, you know, so how long did the did the process take you like when you first knew that you wanted to write the book, started it to, to now where you are today? How long did that take? So I think I'm going on about year two. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, it's been a while. So the first draft probably took me two or three months to write, not that long. Um, that seems so short to me. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I've had an idea in my head for years. <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind, I'm a professional writer, but writing is what uh, I yeah. do for a living and as a, as a communications person. So it's not like this wasn't my first thing I ever wrote by any means. Yeah. Um, so, and then I had some people read it. I got some good feedback, which gave me the sort of the confidence to go forward. So then mm. I hired a developmental um, editor named Eric and he was fantastic. He really helped me um, sort of take it to that next level. And then I started querying so querying is obviously a long and hard process um not fun but but part mm -hmm. of it um and so I sent it out to a few people I got some rejections um I got a lot of like no answer rejections and then a, a publisher out of Portland picked it up um their name is Corza Books they're a traditional publisher um but small and new um and so they offered me representation or they offered to buy my book and obviously I sold it to them. Um, they've been great so far. Um, now we're going through some editing. Um, we ended up deciding to rewrite the entire thing just to add some more elements, um, increase the suspense. So I finished that in May mm -hmm. of 2023 and they are now reviewing it at this point. So I think um, that's probably like the last big lift, I hope. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then there'll be, you know, obviously fine tuning as we go from here. Um, and then, you know, obviously editing, grammatical editing, line editing, and then a cover and marketing publication, all of that. So yeah, I think early next year. So I think in total, it'll probably be about three years from start to finish. That's so inspirational because I think of 
how exciting it would be to write a novel and then start the process of getting it published. But one thing I think would personally be really hard is are those rejections. So yeah. because it's almost it's your baby and you put it out into the world. And I feel like I would like throw it out and then run away and be like, please yeah. like it, you know, yeah. so when you first got those rejections, like how did you how did you continue pushing forward and saying, I'm going to send it to another publisher? This is, I know this is valuable. Let me get it into the hands of the right person. Yeah. And I, I think that's absolutely where that like determination comes in. Um, I think a lot of people think book publishing is luck, but I honestly think it's just like, you know, getting knocked down and standing back up again. Um a lot of rejections are not personal. They didn't take the time to read it. So those were easy for me to file away, like knowing mm -hmm. that it it was a business decision for them and had nothing to do with me, rather like their calendars and their bandwidth, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I got a couple of personal rejections and I think um, my method is to was just to take the feedback and incorporate it, you know, learn and, and continue. So a couple of them, you know, had specific things that I was able to fix or incorporate, and that probably helped me in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, my querying process wasn't the worst. Uh, a lot of people query for years and never get anything. Um, and then in that case, that probably would have been harder for me. But yeah. Uh, I got picked up fairly quickly into the process. Um, I didn't have like a ton of rejections. So mm. yeah, I mean, but anyway, but like I said, my, because of my background or because of who I am, like I don't really give up. So yeah, yeah, I just kept going. <laughs> I love it. And so what is the querying process? Is that where they ask a lot of questions and, and try to find out who you are or who the, what the book is all about or what process is that? Yeah. So it's a process where there's um, several listservs on the internet and other places where you can see agents for books. Um, oh, okay. You can see which agents take your kind of book, which agents are open for um, new queries, that kind of thing. And they all have a little bit different um, requirements. Basically you send a letter about your book and about you, you send um, the first few pages, um, and some information about like the market of the book the, or the market of the genre, that kind of thing, um, and send it off. It's, it's free to query. It's just um, a lot of people either reject you fairly quickly without even necessarily reading. Um, a lot, sometimes people, um, you know, just don't answer. I got a ton of people that yeah. just responded at all. Um, and then some people ask for more. If, you know, if you kind of get over that first hurdle, they'll ask for like maybe the first three chapters or the first, you know, 20 pages, something like that. Um, and then eventually they'll obviously ask for the full book. And if they think that there's enough there uh, to either edit and publish or, you know, edit and sell, um, they'll sign with you or you can you can choose to sign with them and then they will sell it to a publisher so I did mm -hmm. it a little different I did not get an agent first I just went directly to a publisher that was open without needing an agent um, the big publishers in America you need an agent first um, so I was able so I went with a smaller publisher that did not require an agent which made it slightly easier um, mm -hmm. So yeah, the querying process can be really long and really hard and, and quite discouraging, but um, it is sort of, it is the method of how you get traditionally published. So if you want to have a, an actual traditional publisher, you have to do querying to some degree. Unless you're like super famous, then you probably don't, but I'm not. <laughs> gotcha. So is that kind of get your foot in the door as well to immediately get a book published and then people know who you are. And then when you create your next book, because 
yeah. another book on the way, um, that then they'll say, oh, we know Kate Shelton. Yeah. She wrote this book, you know, then it, then would you have an agent or do you think that at that point you could go straight to the publisher again? Yeah, you can, um, I think with the big publishers in America, you always have to have an agent in some degree. So if I yeah. wanted to go from this publisher to a, a bigger publisher, I'd probably have to query again and get a, an agent um, if I decide to stay with this publisher, which you know I, I hope that works out. Um, I wouldn't obviously need to go through that process again. We already have a, a great relationship. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's my goal, obviously, to publish more than one book. Um, and hopefully, you know, build momentum as I go and build my name as a brand. Um, so hopefully my querying days are behind me, but we'll see. Yeah. And do you think there are other factors that go into the acceptance of a book? And the reason is because I'm I'm really not sure about the whole process and I love learning about it, but there was a book I had read, uh, Meet Me in the Margins by Melissa Ferguson. And she talked about how being on Instagram and being visible and having a website and having followers was actually something that she had to really grow before putting her book out there. And she was talking about the main character, not herself, but I wondered, oh, is yeah. that really a thing? Do you really have to have a following before your book is even looked at by certain people? I, I certainly think in this day and age, it, it definitely does not hurt. Um, sort of the benchmark is around 10,000 followers. Um, mm. Not exactly like explicitly says that. And I think if your book is good enough, you know, if it's a really excellent book, they might take a chance on you. But just with the way that authors have to do so much more of the marketing themselves versus the publishing companies doing it themselves, um, having a following on Instagram and TikTok especially is important, but they also like to see authors with podcasts, with websites, with email newsletter lists, that sort of thing. So I started building all of that for me, for myself, before I even started querying. Um, I think I queried when I was around 8,000 followers on Instagram. Um, and that was something that I did include in my query letters is, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of describing who I am, that I have a following and a, and a fan base and people interested in my book. Whether or not that helped me get picked up, I'm not positive, but it certainly didn't hurt by any means. Yeah. Um, and just showing, you know, authors obviously are required to do marketing nowadays, um, whether or not you're traditionally published or independently published uh, or whether you self-publish, it doesn't matter. Authors have to market. And so I think being able to grow a following and have a website and all of that just shows that I was marketing savvy. Um, yeah. So it certainly helped. I don't, if my book was good enough, hopefully I could have done it without, but it's hard yeah. to know. Well, and marketing is the one thing that everybody who either is selling something entrepreneurial or writing a book or doing anything where you want to get your name out. It's marketing is the bane of our existence. You know, it's yep. constantly trying to figure out how can I get my name out there? You yep. know, it's just, it's really difficult. So when you first created your social media, not necessarily personal wise, but when you first knew that like, okay, I want to start growing my following. I want to start putting more content out there. Was it all to get more get more exposure for your future book or were there other things other entrepreneurial things that you were working on or other ways that you wanted to get out there yeah I think I've done a large part of it on social media for sure um and also I have a website and an email newsletter and all of those things. Um, you know, my social media serves two purposes. I own a digital marketing company um, mm -hmm. that I freelance and consult for other businesses. And so for me to say, 
you know, to add some um, validity to my name, I can say you can, you're more than welcome to check out my personal accounts. You can see that I know what I'm doing and that I've been able to grow a following for myself. So it's a, you know, it's a bit of marketing for myself. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned during the querying process, it was something that I mentioned in my query letters that I do have a following. Um, now I would say, Honestly, it's turned into a lot of fun. I've built a lot of relationships on social media. I have a lot of people mm -hmm. that I would never know otherwise. Um, it's a social outlet for me. And it's, you know, fun to discuss the things that I love with people who also love things uh, that I love, which is books. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at the, at the beginning, it was certainly selfish reasons uh, for my for all of my businesses, all of my careers. But now, now I could slow down if I wanted to, but they're also my friends. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time on social media talking to people about books and, um, you know, connecting over the things that we share. Um, so yeah, kind of both now. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's, what's most important about using social media is that it is social media, you know, like sometimes yeah. we forget and we share, 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 but it's also so important to actually reach out and communicate. I mean, the fact that I reached out and said, Hey, I see you're doing yeah. this. I've been following you for a while. And I think it's so cool to build those types of relationships, especially when, you know, it's just so inspiring to be around other women, to talk about books and to have that, because sometimes in your own life, you have those friends that love books and, and want to talk about it, but it's so great meeting people from all over the place, you know, yeah. all over the world, yeah. um, especially in places like Colorado, which I love. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think, um, uh, you know, I have a lot of great friends, a lot of cool people in my life, but I think I'm the biggest book lover that I know of. And so yeah. it's fun to find people who meet my passions. And, and I think, you know, I tell this, I consult on social media all the time. And I think the most important thing about social media is building relationships and posting relevant content, not just, not just sales. And so mm -hmm. I do think someday it'll pay off the work and the time that I've spent there, but primarily they're just also people I really enjoy getting to know and yeah. being around. Yeah, most definitely. Now you did mention that you are, you have your own company with digital marketing. So how long have you had that? And what type of work do you do with that specifically? Is it just with businesses, with um, entrepreneurs? What specifically is that all about? You know, the joke about freelancers is that we get around. Um, so <laughs> I do a, a whole wide variety of things. I've owned my business for 10 years. Um, I did it exclusively for about seven um, I primarily worked with small businesses who needed um, social media content communications, um, mm -hmm. but you know weren't necessarily big enough to hire a full time person. I tended to I tend to fit in well with moms who have small businesses. Um, you know, we just kind of get each other. I typically get their business models, mm -hmm. um, and then I also wrote. I still write. Um, a, about 10 to 15 magazine articles per month for various magazines around the country. Wow. So um, I did that for a long time for like for 10 years exclusively. Recently, I started working at Colorado State University doing communications. Um, I'm still freelancing on the side less, but some uh, depending on what comes up. So I'd say a few hours a month uh, and probably 10 magazine articles a month still. So <clears throat> yeah, as we talk about marketing and, and social media and stuff, I have a lot of experience. I did it for a long time. The reason I stopped freelancing was, I don't really know. 
but <laughs> I was just ready for something different. And an opportunity at Colorado State came up. And so I just decided to see what happened. So I've been here yeah. for about six months and I'll do it for a while. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome to have done it for so long because I feel like when you're putting your name out there with magazine articles and, and doing all that, it's such a great way to have exposure to your name. And just the other day, I was listening to a podcast about that. She said the best way to gain visibility is to go out to the media outlets and write for magazine articles. And how did you even get to that point? Did you email them and say, hey, I'd love to write an article for your magazine? Or did they reach out to you? How does that process work? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was I guess just, you know, being, I'm in a smaller town and people knew that I'm a writer and that I write and do all kinds of things. So I, I think a connection, there was a new magazine starting in our town and a connection that knew I was a writer um, introduced us. And I wrote for them specifically alone for probably the first year. And then I just sort of started expanding um, the magazine specifically that I started with is a franchise. So there's many, um, other magazines around the country that are similar in different markets and so she connected me to some of the other publishers and yeah just kind of went that way um it's pretty easy at this point it's sort of very formulaic in terms of setting up an interview writing the article sending it off um so it's very easy for me to just do on the side and my sort of in my free time I do it you know on nights or weekends or early in the morning and um yeah, it's easy money, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I still write magazine articles just because it's something that I can certainly do on my own time. It doesn't have to, there's no set hours, so I can do it outside of my current job. Um, I like doing it. I like, I get to interview all kinds of interesting people. I get to meet people from all walks of life and in all parts of the country. So I don't yeah. foresee myself stopping anytime soon. Yeah, it's just so exciting to hear all of the different ways that you're putting your writing out there, whether it's through a book or through articles or the different digital marketing things. And it's just so inspirational because I feel like so often there's so many different writing jobs out there that it's disappointing that a long time ago when I was getting out of high school and they said, oh, there's no money in writing. And you're like, yes, there is. There's so many opportunities that you yeah. can do. You know, you can do journalism or you can write for a magazine or write your own book. You know, there's just so many avenues of where you can take it. And then you can write for social media. You know, there's yeah. so many ways to put yourself out there with writing. Yeah. And I think especially as moms, um, freelancing is an is a extremely valuable job to invest yourself in. Um, you get to build your own schedule. You get to be in yeah. time you know, you can bring an extra income and, and actually good income, not just any income. Um, so I'm always encouraging people if they want to get into freelance writing or freelance social media, freelance marketing, like go for it. It's, it's actually really easy. Yeah. So where would you recommend that someone starts? You know, I'm taking notes as you're speaking. Yeah. About this. No, <laughs> no I, for me, I just started with the people I knew and I started with really low rates. You know, I think I do think you have to sort of build up to, to, you know, peak, but I just started with people who I knew who had small businesses who could, you know, use some social media support or use some just, you know, back-end marketing support. Um, and then I expanded to like mom Facebook groups. There's a ton of other moms with small businesses. Um, you know, just answering questions and just, you know, offering to help uh, kind of building in that way. And then honestly, 
entrepreneurs know entrepreneurs. Chances yeah. are if you own a business, you know somebody else who owns a business. So if you do a good job and you're, um, you know, do what you say you're going to do and you produce results and you are dependable, chances are they'll tell your friends about you. Um, so yeah. I never had trouble finding work. In fact, I, you know, was constantly turning away work just because I didn't have enough hours in the day to do it all. Um, and, and that's true of most freelancers. I know there's way more work than there are people with skills. So if you know anything yeah. about social media, if you know anything about writing, absolutely. I did go for it. And it's pretty yeah. easy to like start small and build up. So I didn't, I didn't start full-time. I had a job and I started freelancing on the side and I just got to, to the point that I could freelance enough um, for it to be a full-time job. And especially with kids, I wasn't necessarily working 40 hours a week, but I was working enough to, you know, help our family and, and right. care and all of that. So yeah, I think moms everywhere should freelance. Yeah. Well, it, it's just such a great opportunity because with being a mom, especially one that stays at home, finding different ways to build a career or do something you enjoy is so important because like you said earlier, it does not have to be a nine to five. It can be whatever you can make it work. Because for me, you know, I and with my kids during the day. And then as soon as they go to bed, it's full on work mode. You know, I'm sending very late emails and getting some of that stuff done, but it's like, if you want it, you've got to find a way to make it work. And so I feel like that's so vital to really see what you love and just start thinking about that. It's it. And then once you find what you love, it makes it even better, you know, to, if it's writing or freelancing, doing all of that, that whatever lights your soul on fire. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to remember that we're in a season, you know, our kids are little, but they're not going to be little forever. And it's like, it's important to build for the future. There will be a time that they're in school. There will be a time that they don't want to hang out with us. And so yes. obviously you want to maximize the time that you have right now, but you also want to maximize your future and, and I want to maximize my future. And so, yeah, it's a grind to get up every day and, you know, yeah. work hard every day, but it won't always be like this and, and it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah. Especially when your ultimate goal, you know, when I think about what my vision is and I think I just want the freedom to say, I create my own schedule. I am making my own money and building myself so that I can do the things that I'm dreaming of doing. Because sometimes you see people who are in fantastic jobs, but they're just working day in and day out and looking forward to the weekend. And I'm like, I want to look forward to Monday morning, you know, Wednesday morning, whatever it is. I don't want to just look forward to those two days off, you know, you know, yep. and so how would you define success in your field? Like we've talked a lot about that enjoyment, but when you think of yourself as a successful individual, how would you define that? Yeah. I mean, you know, in my, in my field, it's never going to be, you know, unless you're Colleen Hoover or something like that. I'm never going to get rich, like, you know, purely rich, but I, um, I find success in, you know, knowing I'm an expert in my field. If somebody has a question for me and I can answer it with confidence, I can answer it with, um, truth, you know, not, not just being truth, like confident, but also being right. Um, I also yeah. find success in seeing my name in print. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's a small magazine or, a, you know, a big book someday. Um, just seeing my name there. But I think, you know, on the, on the most important level to me, it's showing my girls, my daughters that their dad is successful, but so am I, and that they can do whatever they dream of. They can, 
you know, have, a, have the life that they want. Um, and of course that takes hard work. And of course that takes like a lot of quite literally like blood, sweat and tears, but like they can do it too. That was shown for me by my parents and my grandparents. And, and I want to continue that, you know, I want them, you know, work doesn't look the same for my fam for my immediate family as it did like my, my family of origin, but it's still hard work. And um, yeah, so I think success for me is, you know, showing, showing them what's possible, um, but also just having happiness. You know, I like what I do. I, I don't hate Monday morning. I don't, um, I don't wake up feeling burnt out. I don't wake up feeling blah most of the time. Um, yeah. Everybody has their days, but on the whole, I'm still energized by what I do. I still find it interesting. Yeah. I still like learning. Um, I still like growing. I like social media that might make me sound like a narcissist, but I like being on social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's finding, it's having achievements, it's having success. It's, it's, um, you know, seeing my name in print, it's showing my girls that we can do these things. It's, and it's being happy, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that you talked about your own children really seeing you and what you're doing, because one of my favorite things, I have a five-year-old and whenever she would see me, I used to do years ago, uh, these lives on my Facebook group and I would read aloud a children's book and, you know, it was honeybee readers. And so I noticed that she would be sitting in front of my phone and say, hello, this is honeybee readers. And I'm going to read you a book and just having so much fun with it. And then when she learned that I was doing a podcast, you know, she'd put the little microphone up to her face and just pretend like she was telling a story. And I think, oh my gosh, that is so cool. For her to see that I'm doing these things and building a life so that when she grows up, she thinks, okay, what am I interested in? And it can be anything because so often when you think about those career interest inventories, they're not exactly aligned with what is possible anymore. You know, you don't have to necessarily become a doctor or a scientist. You could also become a social media marketing. You could become... Yeah. Of course, I'm not thinking of any other job right now, but you could do anything, you know, yeah. you could be, some people want to be a YouTube star, you know, yeah. whatever it is, it's completely different than it was when we were growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I want them to know that it's okay to do something different. I did something very different than my family. I'm not like them. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean we don't have respect for or love for each other, but, you know, I grew up and just did a very different thing than what I saw my parents and my siblings doing. And, and I want them to know that if they choose to do something different from me, that's okay too. And to have the yeah. bravery to say like, my life is different than yours and that's okay. Right. And just to do something different, because I do remember a long time ago, maybe 15 years ago, you would hear people who'd want to start a blog or want to start uh, maybe a YouTube channel and they would get a lot of flack for it. They would say, oh, that's not possible. There's no money in that, or you can't do that. And it's because it's outside of the norm. And yeah. there's this beautiful idea that you do not have to do what the norm is. Yeah. And once you go outside of that box, it's such freedom. And I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I do think our generation, especially like, you know, the younger generations after us is they're getting better at, you know, being brave and doing all kinds of cool things. Yeah. So I hope my kids continue that. And I hope that I show them you get to build the life that you want. You have to work hard for it, but you yeah. get to do it. But you never, when you find what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? Is yeah. that the phrase? Yeah. <laughs> 
so is there anything that you would consider really difficult about the job that you would, you know, something that just is not the best part of it? That's, I know you talked about the querying part, but something yeah. that is just your, uh, you know, I love what I do, but this is probably the most difficult part. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. There is a lot of criticism in, in sort of the creative arts. I know not everybody's going to love my book. I know that people read a magazine article and they're like, that was boring or whatever. Um, so I've had to develop a bit of a thicker skin. I'm not for mm-hmm. everybody. Um, and, and same, you and I might read the same book and, and decide we both, you love it and I hate it. Um, so, you know, the reviews, I think are going to be something that's going to be hard for me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, <clears throat> and and just work in general. I work in a field where there's a lot of feedback involved. So I'll create something and people will comment or critique it. Um, I'm better at it than I used to be. But, you know, it's just like, a person that exists you want just you just want people to love what you do and love you and right I think that's probably the hardest part for me my husband is a dentist and nobody looks at a feeling and is like oh that one's not good like nobody knows <laughs> as long as it doesn't hurt people are generally fairly happy right with them. um and as long as it looks you know on the surface fine that is not the case for me you know people are going to be very intimately critiquing what I do from here on out and they have been but it's going to get more intense as oh, I yeah. become more hopefully public. Um, so I think that's like a little, you know, tricky is um, that part of it. Um, I know it's coming, so I'm preparing, but it's yeah, it's, it's like I held my breath, like, ah, you know, when you get the first one coming through. But I do think one idea that I've done before that just kind of makes you feel okay, I'm not alone, is if you take your favorite book that you've absolutely loved and then you go check out the one or two star reviews and you think, how could you hate that book? That was a beautiful one. And, you know, I've read some really fantastic books lately. And so I'll go check those out and think, how could you say that about this wonderful book, you know? And so there's always going to be something for everyone. And I recently thought about the idea of rating books because when I review a book, I'm reviewing it because I think, okay, well, here's my perception of it. Here's how I enjoyed it. But then I think, but the writing was really done well. It was a very good story for someone who likes that story. So how do you even begin to figure out how to review a book? Because your style, like if you go read a horror book and you hate horror and you say, this was a terrible book, well, you don't like horror. So, yeah. you know, yep. Yeah. No, it, yeah. Reviews, books in general are so subjective. And I think that's a hard part of this industry or this, you know, yeah. world is that everybody gets to decide. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you say? I know we've talked a lot about books and your own book. So, what would you say are your top, let's say, three book recommendations that you recommend, even though it is subjective, you know, for those that like your yeah. style of books, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the thrillers and the horror ones. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, it changes all the time and I'm constantly finding yeah. books, but recently I have really appreciated Homecoming by um, Kate Morton. Mm. Uh, it's a historical thriller, so it kind of combines my two loves of um, his- history and thriller, but also fantastic writing. Um, excellent I really liked The Quiet Tenant I just finished that one in Mm -hmm. audio it's um, about a serial killer but it's from the perspective of his daughter his girlfriend and um, a victim and I think that was just like a really interesting way of telling a story Um, and then if I had to pick another one off the cuff I would say um, 
I really loved Project Hail Mary. Everybody loved that book. But if I'm trying to give a book that's not about murder, <laughs> um, I think that one is just really fun and quirky. And it's like really interesting to think about um, global warming and uh, if there's life beyond Earth. And um, it was just a really fun book to read. And I think it will actually be an excellent movie, even though I don't particularly watch movies. But I think I'm looking forward to that in movies. So I say those today. If you ask me tomorrow, I'd probably have a different opinion. Well, and it's funny because I just asked somebody the other day and she said, "Um, hundreds of them. I'm 66 years old. I've been reading my entire life. And I was like, oh, you're right. You know, this, and it's hard to pick one favorite. And I remember growing up and somebody asking me, who's your favorite author? And I thought, I have no idea. I just like reading, you know, and I can't even give you, you're so great about being able to give a genre. I can't even give a genre that I like because I just read the description and think, oh, that sounds pretty good. I'll, I'll take that up. You know, yep. I used to, I used to say before I had a, when I had a little more time, but I, that I would read anything once. I would read any book once. Now I have to be a little more choosy just because my time is a lot more limited than it used to be. But I still, I think I'll hopefully get back to that someday, but like I have the time to read anything once. Yeah. And I, and somebody said before, like, if you are not going to read the book again, why would you keep it? And I just thought, because they're my friends. I need them on my shelf. I need to know that I read that, you know, and there's been a couple books that you end up giving to someone else and then you don't have it anymore because maybe they've kept it or they've, you know, shuffled it off to someone else. But it's definitely, I'm a, I'm a big book collector. I mean, obviously I'm surrounded by books, the kids on the, over here and then the, my personal. So um, I've had such a really great conversation. And so I want to close out with just talking about what do you see for your future? You know, what is something that you hope to accomplish personally, professionally, you know, where is the next five or 10 years for Kate? (laughs) You know, I think I spent the first 30 years of my life working so hard to get where I'm at today. So I hope um, that I can enjoy it, that I can really soak in these years of my kids as they're little and um, enjoy that we live in a beautiful place and I have great friends and a good marriage. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think there's more books in my future, I hope. Um, I think there's probably career moves that I'll make. Um, But in general, you know, I finished my college degree. I finished my master's. I got married. I had kids. I started a business. I, you know, all these things that not to sound cool, but you know, I just spent the, Oh, it is great. You know, I spent the first several years of my adulthood, uh, which is really, really, really grinding. And I hope I'm getting closer to the point that I can enjoy it and slow down a little bit. I will always be not chill. There's nothing about me that's chill, Um, but I hope that I can just, you know, um, enjoy some of this too. So I don't know. That's a no answer answer. I don't know where I'll be probably here. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Everything that you said so much, because when you look back on where you've come from, it's like, this is what they talked about when we were younger. Like you get all the things, you accomplish all the things. And then there's always that question of what's next. And sometimes it's like, but I arrived, I'm pretty good at where I'm at. I'm, you know, this is where I want to be. And, you know, there's such a beauty to looking to the future, but then when you're enjoying it right now and enjoying the moments, it makes it so much more pleasurable, especially when you enjoy what you do. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. So what do you hope that people remember about you when they're writing your bio and they say, you know, she wrote this fabulous, she wrote multiple bestsellers, you know, what do you hope people remember about you? You know, I don't think it has anything to do with the words that I write or, or the, you know, advertising campaigns that I write or anything like that. I, I hope people remember that I'm nice and that I'm funny and that I'm passionate about life and that I really lived. Um, that's what I hope people remember is that, that I did it, that I did all the things that I set out to do. I love that. And definitely funny. If you, if you get a chance to check her out on Instagram, you've <laughs> got to check out her, you know, some of them, I would just think she is so creative. I love what she's creating, you know, just because you came up with the idea or saw the inspiration of someone else doing it. And it just, I, I love it. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some funny moments within your, your book as well. And I'm super excited for it to come out next year. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely keep you everybody posted. Yes. Hopefully early next year. Awesome. Well, where can listeners learn more about you and your work? We'd love to follow you. Yeah, on all platforms, I'm at Kate Shelton Author. I'm also at kateshelltonauthor.com. I have an email list that I don't spam you, I promise. I rarely send to it. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah I'd love to connect. I'd drop in, jump in my DMs. I'm always responding and I'm just a regular human. I'm here. You can chat yeah. with me. Uh, and it's it's funny that you say you're a regular human because I personally think that authors are celebrities. Oh. <laughs> you know, just because I think you know, there's people who are in movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she wrote a book. You know, <laughs> and if you get somebody to talk to that's written a book, I mean, that to me is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so congrats on accomplishing the best feat ever. <laughs> well, anytime I will chat with you anytime. You're also lovely. Oh, and thank you. Equally cool things, different, but cool. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much. I had a wonderful conversation. Likewise. Likewise. Yes. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast. Please be sure to leave a review, learn more about our community at badassbookbesties.com, follow me on Facebook at the Bookaholic Besties podcast, and on Instagram at badassbookbestie. If you know someone amazing that you'd like for me to interview or have any badass ideas, I'd love to hear it. Send me a DM or email me at mostbadasslifepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, besties, always keep your bookshelves and beer glass full.